This podcast is brought to you by the Ohio Writing Project. OWP supports teachers from all over Ohio and celebrates the professionalism, expertise, and talent of our state's educators. Ohio Writing Project, teachers teaching teachers. Right Answers, a production of the Ohio Writing Project. We're back for another season, season three. My name is Noah Waspy, and today I'm so excited to share with you my conversation with co-director of the Ohio Writing Project, Beth Reimer. But first, a poem. And today I'm dusting off a classic. Nothing Gold Can Stay by Robert Frost. Nature's first green is gold, her hardest hue to hold, her early leaves a flower, but only so an hour. Then leaf subsides to leaf, so Eden sank to grief, so dawn goes down to day, nothing gold can stay. Great poem for beginning of the school year, right? For the fall. <laughs> so today I was, I'm talking to Beth Reimer about, well, so many things. When we first started thinking about this season, we wanted it to be about what we want to take with us as we exit the year or year and a half or so that we're pandemic teaching. But then you know, the pandemic didn't end. But there are certain teaching practices that we all noticed that were really awesome that happened out of this uh, moment of necessity. And Beth and I wanted to reflect on those things and think about what we want to make sure we take with us. And well, we just wanted to grapple with the idea of learning loss. That is, I think we kind of wanted to push back on it. You'll see what I mean in a minute. Here it is, my interview with Beth Reimer. summertime um we felt this feeling of back to normal and so as you're going and making those fall plans everyone teachers administrators boards families students teachers we all felt like in some ways we could go back right yeah and and which is interesting so in some ways we abandoned some of the really good smart things that we learned like this idea of having you know, how do we keep things organized so students, so it's transparent for students and teachers of what's happening in a classroom from everything from a hyperlink Google Doc to the kind of ways things might be organized, which some people figured out last year through hybridness. Um, or how do we keep people on the same page when different classrooms and different learning structures are going on? All of that in some ways was abandoned because we're like, oh, we get to go back to normal. Yeah. <laughs> and we, we forgot some of the really smart things that we were doing, whether it was technology or whether it was social emotional learning or whether it was um, front loading what students needed. And we got caught up, I think. So second thing is that we got caught up in this like um, learning loss idea or um, in a negative way. And I do think there's loss. So I want to push back. I know a lot of people are like, oh, we can't talk about learning loss, but I, I think it's okay to recognize that there was loss, right? Like, there was loss and it was, there was lost time spent with teachers. There was loss around all of the things that we do. And there was loss around like social learning that you do when you're together in groups. And so all of those things happened, right? Mm -hmm. And then we didn't go back to normal. (laughs) 
And then we didn't go back to normal, but we started to expect it early. And so then we started becoming overwhelmed because it was like, wait, what's happening? Like, we, we just exactly weren't ready for exactly where our students were, where we were, or mm-hmm. ready for, and for sure, ready for all of like the quarantines in some strange way. Last year, we were more prepared for quarantine. Yeah. <laughs> than we were this year, right? Last year, we had a process in place. And, and from from everything from like school policies to classroom policies, or how are we going to support students when they're not in our classrooms, they're coming in and out. And I just, it was like, we weren't ready for it for some reason, which was interesting. When you see like people reach pinnacles of success without school, it makes it hard to take things like learning loss seriously. Mm -hmm. Because learning is not a linear thing that school is required for. Like if you read a lot and do a lot of research and you go out in the world and learn, you can become smart at things. Um, School, I think, can help and can pour gas on the fire in good ways. But a lot of times it doesn't. And it usually has to do with us worrying about something like learning loss and then testing the heck out of it and then doing lots of drills with kids. Yeah, I think it's. I think it all revolves around what we mean by learning. Mm-hmm. So, and when, when learning and we, and then we name learning loss about their progress on a map score or a test score or a reading inventory, um, learning becomes centered around numbers and data, but there's lots of things that we know about learning, right? Which is something I think that is one of the things that I learned last year, again, that was reinforced, right? Like what we understand about good teaching and learning mm-hmm. and that um, that it is a real interplay between teachers and students and communities of learning and peers, that it requires these spaces that open possibilities and opportunities and that offer instruction. Like I really, I would, if I, if I would say like, being in a classroom didn't matter. There would be something about, or being with a teacher didn't matter. There would be something about my profession that I would be like saying it didn't matter, but it does matter. And so what I think about when I'm saying I'm pushing back on the idea of, I'm pushing back on the idea of pushing back against learning loss. I'm saying like, isn't that weird? I'm saying, can we name and rethink what we mean by learning loss? Mm-hmm. It's not a test score, but we should recognize that students were not in learning spaces. Now, all the examples you used, those people were in vibrant learning spaces, right? Mm -hmm. There was conversation, there was possibility, there were lots of things happening. And in a good classroom, we should give those things. Oh yeah, like Ken Robinson talks about how the importance of finding your tribe, if you're gonna become creative and do great things in schools, are the number one magnets for people finding their tribes, for tribes being attracted to you. And, and yeah, right. Um, also, and I like that. I love the idea of um, of calling it even like a nest or something. Like finding your your we 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 thought about like using that the difference between that word tribe and nest is another whole conversation, right? But this idea of finding a place that you can grow and yeah. then that you can take off um, from. Uh, but I feel like you ha- there does have to there's when we discount a place and when we discount the value of a teacher in those places and the value of a community, like we can't just say like learning loss didn't happen because you're also like not admitting and not being transparent and not recognizing that 
students and teachers lost something. Mm-hmm. It, and it was a whole bunch of somethings. It wasn't data scores. It was like, it was time spent with good teachers. It was time spent practicing. It was time spent and some foundational things as well as like miraculous wonders, like both things happening at the same time and social, uh, social growth, right? We grow all kinds of ways in a classroom and in a school, in mm-hmm. a community together in a year and a half that some of us didn't get to do. And so. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, like I talked to Rainbow Rowell, who wrote a few YA books. He's written a few YA books. And I asked her what her school experience was like. And she was a an average student at best. And she didn't like school, just like most of us when we were in school. And I asked, well, but you were, you liked language arts though, right? And she said, no, she didn't even like language arts. But there was one teacher in high school that saw potential in her and I mean, that's the story, right? Like people who didn't like school, but were successful, there usually was one teacher mm-hmm. or one person who saw the potential and lit the spark, right? I think that maybe it was something that we lost based off of what you're saying is we lost those chances to ignite sparks with kids and kids lost the opportunity to be ignited and to get excited about learning. Mm-hmm. And it's from a teacher or from from a teacher or from each other, right? That excitement of talking about an idea. You mentioned the Wright brothers that they weren't sitting alone in a room, Mm -hmm. right? Just like (laughs) they weren't just sitting alone in a room and then something miraculous happened. No, they they had each other and they were bouncing ideas off of each other. Mm -hmm. And they had other people in the community around that they were they were taking an idea like, whoa, what did they do? And then it sparked a next innovation in their next step. And the same thing with Steve Jobs and the same thing with Henry Ford even, right? Like they weren't in this isolated spot. They were instead in this like vast learning community. And I think that exactly like there is a, there was a loss of learning how to interact and interplay with each other of how to like hear an idea and then take it somewhere of how to say like, I wonder about this and have your teacher help you figure out how to do it or how to research it and then how to share it in the world. And how do people read and write in that way? What does that look like? How do you build a writing habit? I mean, I can't, I I can't do it from nothing. So when I talk to teachers this year, there's an overwhelming factor because we, whether it was out of hope or whether it was out of um, getting comfortable or whether what it was, but and we were ready to jump back in mm-hmm. and we need to reimagine what our back in is. <laughs> yeah. So I want to circle back to this now, like let's just get, do a little bit of inside baseball for a second. Um, <laughs> like probably at the end of last school year, when we were imagining what this season of the podcast would be, we were talking about, we just kept on coming back to this idea of, what are the things that we've learned from pandemic teaching that we want to take with us? So I, there were, you know, there were really good, um, there were so many good things that happened last year in this like shadow of things that didn't feel like they were working. Um, and lately with teachers, I've been kind of writing about a few of those kind of what we learned. And like, for me, what I started to understand is what was reinforced was that this idea, like I, I mentioned, that my core teaching beliefs mm-hmm. 
remain true regardless of platform, right? Um, and in fact, we're probably reinforced that good teaching is good teaching. Mm-hmm. And there are things that I always carry with me that students need to own some own the work with me, right? That that um, whoever's doing the writing and the thinking and the talking is the one doing the learning. Those kind of things. The the idea that reading and writing for real <laughs> matters, and um, and that teaching is way different than assigning. And so that last one is going to like bridge the two is what I think is going to, we're going to get to. But so some of the things that I saw that were amazing is all of the work that we did to reach students. Mm-hmm. Like so many teachers, we went back to like teaching. Like what is it? How are we going to reach students wherever they are, however they are? And I don't mean that as some sort of superhero-ness, like teachers have to be superheroes. I mean it as we started asking the question of what do students need and how do we do that? Mm-hmm. Like what do students need and how do we do that? Which is, which I think is at the core of some good teaching, right? Hearing students, what is it that they need and they created it? And sometimes those came in really practical things, like I mentioned, a hyperlinked Google Doc every day to uncover clearly for students, here's what we're going to do together. You know, it replaced the whiteboard agenda or we replaced I can statements, which I think are always way too not clear for students. Um, And instead, it's like, here's what we're going to do together as readers and writers. This is what we're going to do today. And here's how we'll work through it. And what was great about those hyperdocs is that people who weren't with us, you shared it with those students Uh or they, they were able to join us in some kind of hybrid fashion or they were able to see what the class did together because there were shared digital spaces. I think those things, those practical things, I don't know what we can keep those. We can keep those things. And whether we want to keep the digitalness because of maybe our students don't have those digital options. The core of that was let's make it clear together what we're going to do in our learning community and not hold it in our teacher hearts or not keep things like, unclear for students and and also structures right mm-hmm. you know that idea of like structures help students know they help if we're talking about a secondary student it helps students under like, make sense of a day that looks different every 45 minutes yeah. across the board and it helps them organize and there's a lot of good things that happen so like in some ways it was just like simple kind of practices like that um yeah it put for sure. Like when I think about, let me go back to the beginning of the pandemic. Um, one, I worked harder than ever to reach students. Like I set up a Google voice account so that I could send texts to parents and I was sending messages. I was like more, I was communicating with kids more, even though we weren't in the same room and I was communicating and collaborating with parents probably more than they wanted. But the goal was always like, to have a collaborative relationship with parents and not just adversarial or playing defense or appeasing, but really like working. I felt like I was doing more of that than ever in terms of like, and that's something I want to take with me. But the other Right, thing, and at the, at the core, do you have the other thing written down so you don't forget it? Got it. Okay, I thought you did. <laughs> I thought you looked down at your notes because I just want to follow up on that because I think this is the thing that's important about our learnings, Noah, is this idea that, you know, we have like the Google Doc, right? What I'm saying, a hyperdoc. That's not the learning. The learning is the thing underneath it, right? Which was 
It was helping students know, here's what we're going to do together mm-hmm. in a way that helped them get to the material easily. And in a way that the teacher wasn't holding all of the, the knowledge and the map and the way to get there. Mm-hmm. And so what you're saying is, it's not that we as teachers have to continue that exhaustion of reaching out to every student in that way, every day driving to their house and all of the yeah. things. <laughs> But what was under it was, I need to check in with these students. That's I need right. to see who they are. I need to hear them. I need to, I need to see how they're doing with my learning. And yeah. that thing we should hold on to, yeah. however that looks in the classroom. The other thing was like, that you were kind of, that you were talking about was when the pandemics first started, I had to really ask myself, all the stuff that's left for me to teach, what is really important for them? And what are the things that I need to focus on the most? I always try to do that, but I really had to do it in ways that I hadn't thought about before when everything changed. And I think like you talked about core beliefs, but also like core things that kids need in your Mm -hmm. classroom in terms of what they need to learn the most. I I, want to make sure that I hold on to that as well. And I, I love that idea of us kind of like making it clear for ourselves too. Like what, what's the what? <laughs> um, clearing it out and what's the reading and writing and the thinking that I need students to do, which is interestingly goes back to this idea of learning loss, right, Noah? Mm-hmm. Because when the, the words learning loss show up, we think test data, which is why we want to push back against it. But if we think about it, like part of our goal is to help students read and write and become scientists and mathematicians and historians. And like we're asking, we're helping them by giving them content to do that and skills to do that and teaching them those things. And so when they're not with us to do that and when they're not with teachers, we they're not doing that all on their own. There's yeah. a reason that we're not all doing that all on our own, right? Because we need support and teachers are skilled in this. So I think that that's, that also reminds us that there are things that we want students to do as readers and writers and that we're trying to help students grow toward. And there are the same thing in science and math and social studies and all art and music and um, health and physical education that we were trying to support students to become these, to help them become the people they want to be. And, and when we don't have time to do that, it's hard to do all on your own as an eight-year-old. <laughs> it is. And like Lindsay Brugman said, this I keep going back to 2020 because that was the sea change, right? Um, she said that we need to place more of an importance on creating instead of just completing. And, you know, I've just recently moved to teaching younger kids, uh, third and fourth grade, and I've taught middle school and older my whole career. And I'm starting to understand where the problem starts, where the problem happens, because kids are learning in the beginning, they're learning the alphabet, they're learning their sight words, they're learning reading to read fluently, they're learning cursive, you know what I mean? Well, in some schools, um, they're learning their math facts, they're learning number sense. But the problem is, I don't think, like, you get to a point where you learn the things that you need, and it's time for you to do things with them. And sometimes we stay in the mm-hmm. you're still learning phase longer than we should as teachers. And well, it, it's complicated, right? Because there's that cycle of skills that grows. 
So we're always still learning to, to grow those skills, but but true, those ideas of bound skills. There comes a point to learn by doing instead of just learn by having it done to you, right? Right. That idea of bound skills. Once I know my 26 letters, I know my 26 letters. <laughs> it's not like that's going to grow or change anymore. So when instead now I can use them in all kinds of ways. So, and, and that is true. And that gets to that point, right? Of one of the things that maybe we need to reflect on as teachers and what the pandemic might've brought that we need to say, like not hold on to, mm-hmm. or maybe not go back to. And that was, that's that idea of teaching versus assigning, you know, when things are digital, it's so easy to create a lesson that is assigning mm-hmm. because you're not sitting next to a student maybe, or you're not hearing them. And so it really is, right. We're working through, you know, really great tech tools like Nearpod or Pear Deck or um, an Ed puzzle that you can use in all kinds of uh, amazing ways. And it's easy to make something an assignment to just march through, That's right. which is a habit that I wouldn't want, that I don't want my own children to get into, that I don't want students to get into, and that we as teachers have to fight against yeah. because then it becomes so easy to just go back and assign to complete versus create to, and so create versus complete for students. The opposite is assign versus teach, right? For teachers. Mm-hmm. Like what's the difference between me assigning something that you're going to just complete and me teaching you something so you can create thinking, create writing, create reading, create yeah. that kind of thing. Um, and I think we have to fight against that. <laughs> so I want to talk about that fight because it's not going to be a violent fight. I think I know you pretty well at this point. And I think I know that the fight is really in quotation marks and it's going to involve empathy and it's going to involve helping people and not actually like shaming or fighting. Well, right. And I hope you heard, I said, we have to fight it. Right. I mean, like, I, feel I have like, to fight that fight every day with myself. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's not a shaming thing. It's actually a, it's actually a fight that we have to, to within ourselves to remind ourselves, like, what are we doing here? We really, it is really actually not about, did I, did I get them to read this article and then just like fill in this structure or was I helping them teaching them how somebody (laughs) might read something and then how that reading looks and then support them as they keep doing it. And then they took their knowledge of these four articles they read and then they did something with that work. That's different. I mean, so when I say we were fighting against kind of like this movement of we don't, we're running out of time. We're running against where they are and what they didn't have to do. We're running against our own plans. And that's how to do this kind of teaching. That's the one, that's what it always was for me. I don't, I know what it should be better, but I don't know how to do that. Mm -hmm. Which is interesting, Noah, because that is, maybe it brings us back something else that the pandemic did in really interesting ways. Was it connected teachers? Mm -hmm with each other as they were trying to figure out how to do things, right? And the K-12 community is amazing. I get to work in this really interesting space that spans K-12 and higher ed. And the K-12 community is amazing because it's always on the forefront in ways that I think people don't understand. And it is always innovating. And um, during the pandemic, we connected with each other in crazy good ways. Mm-hmm in a lot of times, right? Like, help me out. How are you doing this from something as small as how are you talking with a, with a mask? And then they're like, 
you know, 50 responses about microphones to yeah. which kind of mess. And then how is somebody structuring conferences? How do you do this when you're six feet away? And so many ideas. And so that whole community is helping us figure out how to teach. And we were so open with our questions and so open with our, I don't know what's happening. Can somebody help me? And so then open with our, maybe try this or I tried this, like it could work for you. Kept that open community. It was one of the things I love the writing project, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's built on that open community. But what if teachers, we were more able to ask like, hey, I'm trying to figure out how to teach in this way that I can figure out where my readers are and then I can teach them this and they can practice it. Who's doing that and how does it look? without just like one person telling me away or without, with us like collaboratively understanding, I tried this, here's how it works for me. You yeah. tell me how it works for you. That whole thing, I think something that we did do during the because we were all in a space that we felt like we did it now. Mm-hmm. What if we all embrace that all the time? <laughs> And that was my conversation with Beth Reimer, but I have some really good news for you. It's not over. We have a second part of our conversation that I'll be sharing with you next episode. In this episode, we really dug into some of that inner reflecting that we are trying to do as teachers and that we hope the teachers around us are doing. And in the next episode, we're going to be digging into staff, like the professional learning communities, the staff meetings that we're part of, and how we can be the change that we want to see in those meetings. So stick around for next episode. Um, no matter what kind of teaching you're doing this year, whether it's the kind of teaching whether you're where you're trying to level up your skills or whether it's the kind of teaching where you're just trying to survive or somewhere in between, I want to just remind you that the Ohio Writing Project is a professional home for teachers. It's where teachers go to grow. It's where we go to find our community of other teachers who can push us and help us be sounding boards. It's a place where we go to write. So be sure to check out the links in this episode's description for how you can become involved or become more involved with the Ohio Writing Project. It's a life-changing thing. It's a profession-changing thing. So, okay, I'm stepping off my soapbox now. Be on the lookout for our next episode where we dig into um, how we can impact staff meetings and professional learning communities. And thank you for tuning in to Write Answers.